You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Alan Blaine, welcome to Real Faith Stories, man. I am really looking forward to this conversation today. Brian, thank you so much for having me. I am pumped to get to be here with you and your audience. You made a 180-degree career change from running a $40 million real estate and construction business, leaving a seven-figure income and entering into a network marketing company for 90% less pay because you wanted to make a more meaningful impact in other people's lives. I would love to dig into that whole transition and how you work through that with your faith. Before we go there, could you please share some of your backstory and how you even got into the construction business? And then let's look at the trajectory of this whole faith walk you've had in this transition, please. Absolutely. Well, you know, the Cliff Notes version of my story leading up to that big career change about eight years ago now is I'm 51 years old now. I'll take you all the way back to college met my now wife of 31 years at age 19. We were married five days after her 20th birthday. And by default, I went into the construction industry. I'm a third generation home builder. So the swing and a hammer, you know, $7 an hour in 1992 when we got married, Nicole was working at a $4.25 an hour minimum wage job in California at a fitness center. And uh, that's kind of how we started. So I spent several years in construction, learning the trade from the ground up. I then spent about five years working as a California highway patrol officer and before getting back into construction and building a business that, as you said, became very, very successful. I grew up in the church, Brian. I don't know exactly, but around age four or five. When my parents explained to me about heaven and hell, and one was a really wonderful place and one was a really terrible place, they asked me which one I wanted. (laughs) And like any five-year-old that it was explained that way, I can't imagine anybody choosing hell. So I chose heaven and they said, well, just repeat after me. And so I repeated after them and went through my first 28 years of my life, not understanding why I had no victory over sin no power in my life, no desire to fellowship with other believers, no desire to read the word of God, no desire to talk about the word of God, no desire to seek and save that which is lost, which the spirit of God who says that's what he's all about, who supposedly lived in me was all about, but yet I had no desire to live that life of caring about others and their eternal destination. It wasn't until 28 years old that I finally came to a place well before the career change. This is one of the two biggest pivotal moments in my life. And it's the reason I'm telling you this. At 28 years old, I realized I'm not happy. My wife, who grew up in an atheist home, who had got saved uh, maybe two months, three months before I met her at 19 years old, and I told her I was saved and faked her out long enough to get married. You know, She married an unbeliever, someone who did not have a relationship with God, I can see now in hindsight. And so that was some challenging years in our early marriage. She's amazing. And that's why we still are married today. And by God's grace, we have a marriage today that outperforms really most I know of. So I'm, I'm so grateful. But anyway, at 28, I got to a place where I realized 
I'm not happy. <laughs> it just was like this point in my life where I had the I was like, you know, chips. I was California Highway Patrol. I didn't really know what else I wanted since my major league baseball dream had fallen through years before that. And I knew I wanted to be a husband and a father. And I was that. We had three children at the time. And I realized not happy. Got mm. the job I want, the family I want, the career I want. What, you know, I have health. Like, what more is there? I didn't have a lot of money, but I never cared about a lot of money. So it's like I had everything I wanted as simple as my life was. And I realized, man, this is not, this is not living. It took me a few months after that. But ultimately what I did was I gave my life to Christ. I said, I'm yours. I'm ready to serve you. I'm ready to live for you. I'm ready to go your way. I'm ready to start reading this thing called the Bible that I do believe intellectually is your word. And I'm ready to start following it and ready to start walking it out with your help. And my life changed in the next several years. God led me out of police work, back into construction, started our own general contracting business, building residential homes. A few years passed, we went through some catastrophic times personally from a daughter with cancer, a daughter with seizures, my parents' divorce, you know, through that whole just really challenging time, my my little brother ended up taking his life, my, my little sister, same thing, uh, all within a couple of years apart. And just a really heavy, dark season in my life that I made some poor choices. I turned back to alcohol, which I had given up for years at that point. After giving my life to Christ, I ended up finding myself with a DUI in, in jail going, what in the world happened and how did I get here? I was the guy that arrested DUIs and now here I am, father of six, and I'm sitting there in a jail cell going, wow, what happened? Making, you know, as you said, seven figures a year, having tons of success financially and had fully lost my way. Wow. And God used that season to get my attention and help me start analyzing or evaluating, better said, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? What is the vision and purpose for my life? And that's what led to some pretty big changes. Let me pause there and just circle back to when you were 28 and you recognized here's my wife, a former atheist who seems so happy and connected to the Lord, and here I am so unhappy with seemingly everything I've wanted. What happened at the moment you decided, I need to really give myself to the Lord? I didn't really understand what I was doing. I was confused because I was told that, you know, that I was saved. I was affirmed and confirmed by parents, by everyone else, anytime I would ever question it. Well, no, you didn't you say a prayer when you were five? I mean, didn't you didn't you do this? You know, I think this is so many stories, Brian, mm -hmm. so many people's story. And it's really a passion God's put on my heart. And another reason I, I love sharing my story because I do believe there's a lot of people that are going through life that believe they had an experience. You know, whether it's walking an aisle, saying a prayer, doing something, getting baptized. I don't know what the experience may be for each person, but never surrender their life to Christ. And so then they're going through life with a false belief that they are saved and that they have a relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but yet they're lacking the power. And if you think you have a problem and you can't figure out why you can't overcome this ongoing, continual sin whatever it may be, anger, alcoholism, pornography, all the things. And yet you don't understand that the solution is there for you to turn to, and that's to lay it all down and surrender your life to Christ. It's that simple, but you don't consider it because you don't think it's an option because you think 
everybody's affirmed you that you've already walked this aisle. You've already got dunked in water. You've already said a prayer when you were five, as in my case. I think it's a really sweet spot the devil would love to keep a lot of people in. And I just feel like I see it all around me. And I, I lived it, so I know. But you ask, you know, what that was like. I mean, I just got sick of not being happy. And, and when I surrendered my life to Christ, not really fully understanding what I was doing, I, I went and, and I told Nicole, so excited because I started reading the Bible. It, it came alive. This is another really exciting thing, Brian. Before, the reason I didn't read the Bible is because it was dead words on a page to me. I mean, because I had read it. I grew up memorizing it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, when I married Nicole at 20, I was quoting verses to her left and right. I could tell her probably all, all the, the passages that anyone would hope to memorize as growing up in church or whatever, or being around church, reading the Bible. And so I could do that. I looked really good on the outside. It sounded good to her, but it was dead. Even though I would read it here and there, I wouldn't read it for myself. Maybe I'd read it because I'd be in church or she'd want to read something with me. And once I surrendered my life to Christ at 28 years old, it came alive. And I remember telling Nicole, Nicole, I... I think I just got saved. I mean, I think <laughs> I don't understand this fully, but I think I just gave my life to Christ. I mean, I know I've laid it down and I'm ready to go his way and give the steering wheel, figuratively speaking, of my life to him. And, you know, I, I had said so many things on my own strength, like, I'm going to stop doing this, stop drinking or stop chewing or stop, you know, with the anger problem or whatever my issues were so many times, you know, I'm sorry, because I really was genuinely sorry those early years of marriage. And anyway, when I came with this exciting news to her, she said, okay, I, I can understand the, the 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 skepticism. She said, okay, well, well, let's give it six months and see if it's real, <laughs> is what she told me. And I said, I'll never forget, I said, Nicole, I understand you saying that. And I have no issue with you saying that. That's great. Let's give it six months, because I know right where I'll be in six months right here, excited to follow God. Well, it's obvious, you know, the proof is in the fruit, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, then fast forward to these unbelievable things that occurred in your family. You said that God was getting your attention. So why is that? What do you think was going on? When I decided at 28 that I was going to give my life to Christ, I truly gave everything to him. I I believe I had in my heart and mind laid it all down. I took a job as a superintendent for another builder, but wrongly got laid off from that job and found myself, I think we had five of our six children. My wife was homeschooling our children and I'm the the only income earner and I'm unemployed. This is in our mid thirties. This is a very challenging time financially. I went through such challenging time financially, literally it was beans, rice, and cabbage multiple nights of the week, you know, and eating it, warming it back up the next day. I mean, some seriously challenging financial times. And I think that, you know, the devil was able to get a foothold in my life in the area of finances because I just hated being on that struggle bus financially so bad, especially just the situation I felt like as a provider for my family. And so once I was able to start really having success in business, in construction and real estate investing, and we did new construction, we were flipping, I don't know, close to, right? Well, some months, yeah, about 20 homes a month. I mean, we were really doing well post 2008 when other builders were just hurting bad and going bankrupt and everything else. You know, God really blessed our business. And I, I really just lost sight of, I drifted away from him. I don't know how to say it any other way and let the cares of the world and my occupation and everything else that came along with that just 
take my eyes off him. And that caused a lot of problems. During that season, your wife is homeschooling. Did you ever have conversations with each other about the state of your relationship with the Lord? We did, but that also was a season when my parents were going through the divorce. Mm. My mother's in a deep, deep, I mean, there was three years she didn't get out of bed to even go to the bathroom. That kind of deep depression. Oh my goodness. Um, bed sores and the whole works. And this is in her 60s. And she was the picture of healthy before that. Just to kind of give some context, I had to negotiate a settlement on my dad's behalf because he found another woman and divorced my mom. And after 43 years of marriage, and so I was sitting there negotiating against my father, super difficult thing man, to negotiate a settlement on my mom's behalf against my own father when our relationship was already strained. And that pretty much just ended that relationship even to this day. So I was going through that. We were a very close family and my younger brother, you know, taking his life around that time, married mm. 43 years old. And then my sister, 39 year old mother of four, married soccer mom, PTA mom, godly uh, woman took her life. And so it was just, we did have conversations, but instead of just really clinging, diving deeper, more into my time with the Lord and my time in the word, I, I, I don't even know why. I, I wish I knew the answer of why I made poor choices, but it's like I pulled back mm-hmm. from God. And therefore the conversations to answer your questions with Nicole were so surface level. I just pushed it aside. I just, I didn't want to deal with what I knew I was doing. And that was like keeping God at an arm's length. So I stopped reading my Bible. I stopped having my quiet time, you know, a little sin here, a little sin there. And the saying, Brian, you know, sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go, keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay and cause more damage than you ever thought imaginable. It's so true. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. so true. You're dodging missiles with all the stuff that's happening emotionally. And I can't even fathom the just stay alive kind of mentality you had in that season. What was it that happened that kind of jarred you back into, oh my gosh, I need to change my focus? And what I didn't say before I answer that question is we were living in Washington state because And I haven't got into, and I won't get into all the family, extended family dynamics that were going on. As you could imagine, there must have been a good amount of it Mm -hmm. for my brother and my sister to make the choices they made to end their lives when outwardly they were happily married, successful and all this. But I was living in Washington state for my family's sake and running my business in central California. So I was away from home four nights a week. I'd leave the house at 3.30 Monday morning, drive in the driveway Thursday night at 1.30 a.m. And that was our life. So I was missing a lot of time with my family, missing a lot of important time with Nicole, my wife. We came to a point when, you know, after the DUI situation is what the thing God used to really get my attention. And I started having conversations with Nicole. And I'm like, what are we going to do here? You know, this is not right. We're not in a good place. Our family's not in a good place. I'm certainly not in a good place. And it was primarily me, not her, but I affect her. And we started having conversations. And at that point, we had been using the nutritional products that we now promote for 15 years. And that's a whole nother story because years earlier, back in our mid-20s, Nicole was diagnosed with 
several health conditions. That's what kind of led us into the health world and on a journey to find solutions just to help her, Mm -hmm. really, after mainstream modern medicine didn't have answers. And so that's what led us to the products and the company that we now are associated with. And so we had been doing this for 15 years using the products. By the way, within six months of Nicole getting on the products, her body, which is, as the God's word tells us, is fearfully and wonderfully made, miraculously able to heal itself of so many things when given the the things that are so greatly missing in our modern day commercialized over-processed diets. But she was able to heal herself of all those six things. Her body was, God did a miracle there. Hmm. So we're obviously believers in what we're using to pay for this daily for 15 years. We're just going to the Lord in prayer. Like, what are we going to do? We're living two states away from my business. You know, it's not about the money. It was never about the money. I mean, I went into police work. That was never on my radar. It was never a goal. I would just like to provide well for my family, whatever that looks like, whatever that means. Here we are. I made some horrible decisions. What are we going to do about it? It it took about a year and a half and a very, very close friend asking me some really good questions. God used that to get me to reflect and think. And that's when God just led us to starting the business that we have today now, eight years later. And it was all about where is an opportunity for income that feels a real need in the marketplace that is mission-driven, purpose-filled, where Nicole and I can be brought together to have another point of common ground together besides our faith, our home that we share you know, as roommates, right? Bedmates and our children as parents, but to give us this other point of contact, a business together from the home that's really making a difference and impacting people's lives. And that's what God brought so clearly to us for us to do. And something we obviously believed in very heavily mm-hmm. at the point. And so, yeah, we started that business on the side. I'd love if you can recall, please, some of the questions your friend asked you that were so profound in pointing you in the right direction. Essentially, what do you want your life to be about? Like, what is your life about? What do you feel God has called you to do? What do you feel your gifts, talents, abilities, and opportunities that God's placed in your lap are? One of the best questions he asked me was, what does success look like to you? Like when you are figuratively speaking, the sun is setting on your life. If this is how it all goes down and you're sitting on your rocking chair, you know, looking back over your life. In my case, I'm planning my life to 120. And that might sound weird for some people listening. And I'm okay if God takes me today. And I know my days are numbered. I don't know if it's 120 or 51 as I sit here, 51 years old today, Mm -hmm. but I'm planning my life that way, the way I invest my money, the way I invest my time, the way I take care of my body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, all all the ways. So let's just say, you know, fast forward, Alan, and you're sitting there on your rocking chair and it's your last days and you're looking back on your life. What would have to happen for you to consider your life a success? And questions like that, where I start looking at what I was doing, I'm like, okay, let's just play this out another mm-hmm. however many decades. Yeah. What, what does that look like? Is that really success? Is that really what God's called me to? Those sorts of questions, bigger vision type questions, vision, purpose, mission, impact. What kind of impact do you want to leave? What kind of legacy? What really matters? I'm curious, did you and Nicole pray through the answers to those questions together? Absolutely. Obviously, that was a major ingredient in this process, no doubt. 100%. And I was not wanting to do anything different at that point without Nicole and I being on board because I knew that us being unified in whatever it was we did was going to be 
it, it was just extremely important to me. I mean, I knew it was critical. So yeah, a lot, a lot of conversations, a lot of prayer. You made the decision and what happened next? So we made the decision to start this other business on the side with desires and prayers and hopes and dreams that it could sustain our family and support our family. We had a very low overhead, even for a large family. I mean, I don't know, very low. I guess everything's relative. Depends on how people spend money. But we <laughs> our, only, <laughs> our only debt was our home, our primary residence. We had no other you know, car loans, credit card loans, or any of that. And so we felt like once we could get that income to like a six-figure income, eight dollars $9,000 a month, we could support ourselves on that. And God blessed us to go from, you know, essentially zero to that kind of number over the 16 months that followed, just doing it part-time. Now, I say we both had full-time jobs. I'm working 50, 60 hours a week, running a $40 million construction company. And she had her own full-time job homeschooling our six children. Yes. So it wasn't like either one of us just had a bunch of time on our hands, but we intentionally put the pedal to the metal, if you will, and really, you know, gave some energy and effort and discipline really to building that business to to do that within 16 months. You know, it's not super common that people would build it that quickly, but God blessed our business to that point. I think God wanted us to get out of that situation as soon as possible, I'm sure. <laughs> and I'm thankful for that. So that at that point, I walked into my little brother and my two cousins that were 10 years younger than me, who were my business partners. And I just handed over my interests, my quarter of the company and gave it to them with zero compensation and just walked away from it. So whoa, walked away from that business with nothing to come home on, as you said, you know, 10% the income I was making, trusting that God was calling us to do this, A, B, that it was going to be worth it if the income never increased, but also seeing the trajectory and believing that God was going to continue to allow us to grow it. And he has over the last seven or eight years. It's been a whole bunch of fun. What was it like, Alan, when you and Nicole, because this has been my experience. When I left corporate America to help a friend start a business, my wife and I prayed for four months over that. And there was a moment when I knew there was a yes. Both of us knew. We were in absolute mm -hmm. agreement. Then there was this S-T-E-E-L, a stealing of our commitment in our hearts. We're going to do this no matter what. What was that experience like? For us, we had been talking about it and praying about it for, as I said, about a year and a half leading up to March of 2015. I remember March of 2015 because they had their annual conference in Newport Beach, California in March of 2015. And by time that we got to that point, I was feeling like this is definitely God's will. We need to move forward with this. And Nicole was 90% there. <laughs> I don't know what percentage she would say. She didn't have that clarity that I had yet, but she was pretty well there. So we went to this event and we were just praying that this would give us both clarity to be on the same page, yay or nay. You know, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. because I was ready to roll and she wasn't quite there yet didn't mean I was necessarily hearing God and she wasn't. So I knew that. So anyway, we went to that event and it just was crystal clear to both of us walking away from that event that absolutely, positively, it's God's will. And it's been, it's been so much fun because 
now we were partners. I mean, I love doing business with Nicole. I mean, she's my best friend, always was. And we get to talk about things and do things. And now, you know, the income before, Brian, making all this money in real estate. And I've got so many great friends that are builders and realtors and property managers and all that because and we loan money to some of them and we do business with some of them. They're awesome people and it's great work. I mean, it is awesome, you know, ethical, incredible occupations. But I always felt like, you know, if I didn't flip 200 homes this year, nobody would go homeless. I mean, they'd buy a different home. If they didn't buy one of our homes, they're going to buy another home. It's like, we're not really making the kind of impact I would hope to make with my life, even the kind of impact I desired to make in police work, which kind of attracted me to it originally. And then I realized it wasn't making the impact I thought I was going to make. But so thankful for all the men and women in blue that, that are out there doing what they do, by the way. I'm so thankful. But with this business, I just love because now every single dollar represents somebody else's life being positively impacted. And what we found too in this business is because we're doing it together, it's really more of a ministry where we get into people's lives and fill their real needs, whether it's their health needs, whether it's their even different relational things that we get to get involved in that God uses this business as just a a vehicle and a platform really to serve others essentially and even people's income needs. Now we're in a time where more than ever people are looking for additional income. So it's so fun to at least have the opportunity to offer that to people and then they trust us more. And next thing they know, we're getting to share the gospel with them or we're getting to have conversations with them and help them with their marriage. And I realize the more I will just be open and vulnerable, both of us will with others, the more God gives opportunity to minister and to help people get real with us. That is so the truth. If you sow vulnerability, just to your point, you definitely reap it with the people you're around. It's mm-hmm. incredible. It opens so many wonderful doors for conversations that lead to life-giving results, for sure. Yeah. Two things. First of all, you are releasing a book as we speak, which is called- As we speak. Yeah, which is called- Life's Hard, Succeed Anyway. So what's the premise? The quick backstory is I wasn't always this open and vulnerable. It's insecurity. I'll just call it for what it is. There were so many things I just- wanted to hide, but God helped me a few years ago to start sharing a little bit of this, especially when I started hearing these limiting beliefs of people coming back at me like, well, and you don't understand. Yeah, this is what I desire to do, but you don't understand because I've got this spouse or this challenge or this health or this financial challenge or this child or this teen you know, I'm dealing with, or believe it or not, I can understand. I mean, there was rarely something someone shared that I almost hadn't experienced at that point. I was able to identify on some level. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, we just moved. Yeah, we've moved 22 times in 31 years. Yeah, I know all about that. I mean, I just felt like I could start relating with people so much better and I could see hope. I could hear hope when it was like, wow, you mean you have a thriving marriage or you have financial success or you have health or whatever it is. You're going through the life's hard. You're still able to succeed anyway spiritually or in your marriage, or in your parenting, or in your health, or in your finances, all the things that are important to us, the the areas I consider successful, not just financially. And so that spawned the idea that God put on my heart, Alan, you've got to write a book, and you've got to write your story. And it's not about your story so much as it is about the lessons learned, the biblical principles, the mindsets that God has used to help me live a successful life, and can help so many others. And so I started writing the book two or three years ago, wasn't getting anywhere really. And partly due to my perfectionism and thinking, you know, it wasn't good enough and I (laughs) wasn't getting anywhere. So, so then God said, well, if you're going to be dragging your feet on the book, then at least start a podcast. And so that's why I started the podcast by the same name, just to say, well, it's not about my story anyway. It's about encouraging people that despite the adversity they face in life, 
they can have success in these important areas of life anyway. And so let's bring guests on and every week talk to someone who's living a successful life. And so that's what spawned the podcast. And thankfully, a few months ago, I joined a mastermind and some godly friends and men just challenged me to really get the book done. And so about five months ago, I decided I need to get the book done. And it's officially done. And as of today, as we're recording it, it launched and it's out there in the world all over audio and paperback, hardback, ebook, all the things. So it's a really exciting day today. Oh man, I highly recommend anyone listening to this, go to Amazon and pick up Life's Hard, Succeed Anyway. You'll love it. The second thing is this question. One of the biggest lessons that you shared with me that you feel like from your story can help others is you need to be actively pursuing something meaningful. What do you say to somebody who's in a career where they feel like it's dead end? They feel like there's no life on it. That is a very hard place. What do you say to somebody who's feeling that way, but so desperately wants to feel purposeful in the effort they're putting forth in their career? Wow, that's a really good question. I would say God created us for adventure. And what I mean by adventure is he created us to make an impact. I started off mentioning he came to seek and save that which is lost. So if we're not a part of that plan, and yet the spirit of the living God lives in us, there's a problem somewhere. We're created for that. We're designed for that. And and I know this is a little off tangent. I want to come back to your question. But even in parenting, it's so easy to tell our children what not to do. It's so easy to say, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't listen to that. You shouldn't wear that. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't talk like that. You shouldn't hang with them. And there's not that there's anything wrong with that. They, They need to know what they shouldn't do. But so often, I'll speak for myself, I failed to get them involved in the the great adventure of life that God's called them to, ultimately to further his kingdom. But what does that look like? It it takes different shapes for different people, but ultimately that's what we're to be about. And to know that we spend the majority of our waking hours, or at least a good chunk of them, doing our occupation, if it's not fitting into that, we're not feeling like it's meaningful, purposeful, a calling that God's put on our life. And it doesn't mean it has to be quote unquote full-time ministry because I think ministry is where your feet are, wherever that happens to be. And maybe it's something that our heart just needs to get reoriented because right where we are is where we need to be. And we need to get our heads squared away and our heart squared away ultimately so that we can start serving where we are and start finding that adventure and that meaningful pursuit that we were created for. And I know for me, that's what I was lacking those years of even making great money. I didn't have a meaningful pursuit. I had a pursuit. We were scaling our business, but it wasn't a meaningful pursuit. And so therefore, I started looking for a meaningful pursuit somewhere else. There's all kinds of places we can go for the wrong kind of meaningful pursuit. I love what you said, Alan. We need to be where we are. That's huge. And we look to our job to fulfill, many of us, this need inside of us. When in reality, what we're called to do is be where we are, have our palms open and say, okay, Lord, what do you want to do with this? What are you trying to teach me? And maybe Mm -hmm. people listening to this have done that ad nausea, according to their feelings and the way they've pursued the Lord. So, okay, but ultimately the mandate by the Lord is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. I keep coming back to that whenever I start feeling 
down on myself or down on my situation or circumstances. I see him reaching his hand to me and saying, will you seek me first? I'm here. I have the answer. I am the answer. I am everything. I am fill in the blank. That's him pulling me up and out because really there's so much more to your point about adventure that he wants us to experience. I love that so much. And I would just encourage anyone to answer your question even more directly is just to seek God and not be afraid to be looking at it twofold. God, do I need to be right here? And does something need to change in my heart and mine so I can find the adventure and the fulfillment and the passion and the purpose right here? Or am I just out of fear, afraid to make change? And I'm afraid to change careers. Like if that's the case, show me. Show me where I need to go. Show me what I need to do. I didn't say this earlier, but when I got saved at 28 years old, I was a police officer. I'm like, my yes is on the table to everything. I mean, everything. I had just had a vasectomy a couple years ago because I thought three kids was enough before I sought God, before I, I sought his will. When it was only about the money and my time to make sure I had time to bass fish tournaments on the weekend. I mean, it was all just self-centered, self-seeking things. I'm not saying anything of those things were bad, but it was never, Lord, what is your will? Nicole, what is your heart's desire? She wanted 10 kids. I didn't care what she wanted at, at the time. So anyway, when the yes went on the table to everything, God had me go get that reversed. And that's why we have six kids today <laughs> instead of three. But I'm just saying the yes was on the table. He called me to leave police work and moved to Atlanta, Georgia. I know this is a whole other part of the story and we won't go there, but to start to, to be a part of starting a church in a home, like everything was on the table. And I just feel like, you know, my biggest prayer right now, Brian, is that, I mean, I have this amazing lake home. We, we drive nice cars. We have finances and, and some money in the bank and some investments and rental properties and things. I'm like, Lord, let my yes stay on the table to everything. I mean, everything. This house, I would hate to have to leave this. Lord, it, it scares me to feel that way. Like uh, that means you might want to be taken this soon because I know you don't want me to want anything more than you. And so I, that's what I would just say, like, let the occupation be on the table, regardless of what the future holds, because following him into whatever it is, if that's what he calls us to do, it's going to be more rewarding, more fulfilling, more enjoyable than what we perceive as safety and security, because nothing is safe and secure apart from trusting in him with all our heart and leaning on our own, on own understanding. Yes. Oh, that's so good, Alan. How can people find out more about you? I have a website, simplyallenblaine.com, and my, the spelling of my name is uh, unique. So it's A-L-A-N, and then Blaine is B-L-A-I-N, no E. Okay. It's probably the best place. And all my social media stuff is there on the, in the contact page if anybody wants to connect with me that way or send an email. would love to connect with anybody and help in any way that we can. And Nicole's heart is the same, too, for anyone that may want to contact her indirectly through me and hear a woman's perspective. As we finish, I'd love to have you pray for our listeners, please. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Lord, thank you so much for this time that you allowed Brian and I to communicate. And I just pray that you would first and foremost, that you would be honored and glorified and that the, the words that were spoken by us would be an encouragement that you would do the work in each person's heart and mind that you know needs to happen because we sure don't. And I thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for what you are doing in each and every one of our lives, even though all of us do not even see most of what you're doing behind the scenes, Lord. 
I just thank you that we can trust you. I thank you that in the midst of the storm, the worst of storms, we can know that you have each one of us in the palm of your hand, that you promise you will never leave us, that you'll never forsake us, that we can just rest confidently knowing that the creator of the universe loves us enough to give up his own life for us and that he's willingly able to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or even imagine. And that just comforts me so much. And I pray that it comforts our listeners knowing that you have them just like you have me. And I pray that we would honor you with everything we do, our occupations, when we're working, when we're not working, that the thoughts, even our thoughts of our heart, the words of our mouth, every action we take would just be pleasing to you and pointing others back to you because this time is so short, Lord, our life. I know even at 51, I'm realizing more and more how fast this life goes. And I just pray that we'd each make every day count. Again, thank you for this time and just pray a special blessing on all the listeners of this episode today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alan, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Brian, thank you so much for having me. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.